Welcome to ICANN, a podcast about ophthalmology through a uniquely Canadian lens with Dr. Cedare Ziai and myself, Dr. Guillermo Rocha. The ICANN podcast has been made possible by support from MD Financial Management and Scotiabank, proud financial partners of the Canadian Ophthalmological Society and Canada's ophthalmologists. We'll share our experiences as ophthalmologists today and tackle some of the challenges we face as healthcare providers. Are you ready, Cedare? Let's do it, Guillermo. Let's do it, Cedare. On this episode of ICANN, we talk with Dr. Nupra Bakshi about her recently new role as chair of the Canadian Ophthalmological Society's Equity, Diversity and Inclusion Working Group. Dr. Nupra Bakshi is a retina and uveitis specialist in Toronto. She's also an assistant professor in the Department of Ophthalmology and Vision Sciences at the University of Toronto, staff clinician at the Unity Health Toronto, Mount Sinai Hospital and Kensington Eye Institute. She has diverse interests with special interests in medical and surgical education and advancing equity, diversity and inclusion or EDI in medicine. In addition to serving as the director of the EDI for the Department of Ophthalmology and Vision Sciences at the University of Toronto, she is so busy also as the new chair of the COS's new Equity, Diversity and Inclusion Working Group. It is great to have you here, Nupara. And um, I think to get things started is uh, I've always thought, um, as an immigrant myself, I've always thought that Canada is such a diverse country. So tell us about why is it necessary to have an equity, diversity, and inclusion working group at the COS? What is, what is happening now in the current uh, status? Thank you, Guillermo. That's a great question to start with. And, and there's no doubt that uh, Canada is always known to be a diverse country, and there's certainly pockets I think of a very high diversity within Canada as well. But the reason that the EDI working group I think is really critical, not just for the US, but for many aspects of medicine is that we, we lack diversity as we go higher up within uh, positions of privilege and power. So you know, there may be diversity in other professions. There is some level of diversity within medicine, but you know, when you go into different specialties in medicine, and even as you advance within medical careers, the diversity does decline. And we have to look at diversity of all kinds. We're not just talking about cultural origin, we're talking about diversity, uh, you know, of race, we're talking about sexual orientation, uh, visible versus invisible a disability. I mean, there's so many forms of diversity. And I don't think those are really captured when we, you know, talk about Canada as a diverse country. And certainly, uh, and I think, you know, why is this the right time? Uh, you know, while this has always been a problem, I think it's come to a highlight now because of world events. You know, we've had uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. We've had the rise of East Asian racism. We've been, noticed the, a number of inequalities that exist because of the COVID-19 pandemic and who has been most affected and who has been most likely to either be sick or die as a result of it. And I think it's really highlighted the inequities that exist in, in our society and certainly in Canada, everything that has been discovered around the Indigenous school experience, which Indigenous communities knew, but I think now Canada at large is aware of, has really highlighted 
and acknowledge the importance of equity, diversity, and inclusion. And medicine is a part of society. It's no exception. And, and we need to acknowledge it and we need to address it as well. Wow. Great, thank you. Yeah, those are a lot of really important, heavy topics, Nupra. Um, it's almost hard to know where to start. And, you know, you finished off by saying medicine is part of society, but I would say almost that a physician's role in being educated with regards to EDI is of utmost importance because of exactly what role we play in society, right? The relationship Absolutely. we have with our patients and, Absolutely. And, and the role that we have in the community as leaders and, and um, as caregivers. Um, as you know, I'm also part of the board of directors at the COS, and I don't even know how this came about. How did the COS decide to, to establish an EDI working group? Do you know the story behind that? Are you behind this story, Nupra? <laughs> Yeah, yes, <laughs> essentially, um, we we started. Uh, Nina Huja, who is you know a leader in, in EDI, and and with Akupo and I had had met many times, and Akupo had started a series of EDI related meetings. Sorry, and Akupo is the Association of Canadian University Professors of Ophthalmology, so the academic leaders of ophthalmology across the country, and they had convened a series of EDI meetings, and uh, you know I had already been in the role at. The University of Toronto, which is also a role that I had advocated for and, and got the support of our, our departmental leadership. And, uh, you know, I, I realized as I was doing this work with the Kupo and as well as uh, in my local department that no other department had anyone as a EDI director or an EDI lead. And there really wasn't anything happening on a national scale. And I knew that this is something that really needed to be done across the country. And I think, you know, anyone who is perhaps, uh, um, you know, let's say underrepresented in some way or lacks privilege in some way as a career in medicine, whether it's because you're racialized, because you're a woman, I think we have all had experiences where perhaps uh, we have seen that things are really not, uh, you know, equitable. And that has really driven our, perhaps our, our you know, our desires to change things moving forward and hearing so many experiences from my own learners in our own program really made me realize that, you know, that perhaps the needle has moved, but really, uh, you know, maybe we have more women in medicine, for example, but are those women treated equitably? Is there a leaky tap phenomenon? Do women move into positions of leadership? So these are all thoughts that percolated in my mind for a long time. But as I really spoke to Nina and, and uh, did my work at U of T, I realized that this is really a national problem. And something that um, I have agency. I mean, we all have agency. It wasn't just something that I could sit back and say, yes, this is a problem. I thought, you know, I have agency and I can do something about this. And so that's when I reached out to the COS and had a meeting um, with Liz and, and uh, who's the executive director and Cheryl and, um, you know, a, a couple of other people who are on the board at the COS and said, this is my vision for EDI and Canada and ophthalmology. And these are the things that I think we can do. And I think it would be really helpful to have a working group at the COS. And so Liz took that forward to the board and, and everybody, as far as I understand, was really in support of it. And so then I was really honored to be asked to serve as chair. 
That's really amazing, Nupra. Thanks for thanks for your um, your initiative and for bringing this forward. I think it's such an important topic. So now that it exists, this working group, what does the group hope to accomplish um, through your work you're going to do with the COS and nationally for ophthalmologists? I think there is so much that we want to do there. It, that's almost, I think the, the, our initial uh, decision was what do we try and tackle first? Because there's so much that can be done. We really, really want the COS to lead the way. We really want EDI to be considered uh, in every decision that the COS makes and uh, really to enhance the environment of equity and inclusion and diversity, not just for Canadian ophthalmologists, but really for ophthalmology at large. And uh, so we really, when we met, we've had a few meetings now and we uh, broke up our priorities, our initial priorities into a few different domains. We think that there's really a, you know, a key role for education, for awareness, uh, even just getting baseline metrics and demographics. We actually don't know what exactly the scope of our diversity is right now in ophthalmology in Canada and um, also advocacy and support and, and long-term trying to increase the diversity of ophthalmologists. So we have kind of picked those as our initial domains in which we, we want to have objectives. And we have several, if you want me to get into more specific details, because I have a, we have a lot of things on the go. I think, I think what I would love to hear is um, with so many different facets and so many different layers to the, the EDI topic, I, I would say, is how would you measure success in the short term and in the long term? You know, how um, you mentioned a little bit about metrics. And so obviously, long term metrics take, take time. But what would mm -hmm. be just some of your short term successes uh, in, in the ideal situation and then the long term ones? So I think the short-term ones will be simple things. Uh, for example, having land acknowledgements at our annual meeting, at virtual sessions, just simply the fact that we have one is going to be, you know, I think an outcome that's successful. Also um, having educational sessions that with hopefully positive feedback. I think the feedback from those sessions will also be another outcome measure we, because we have to see how the things that we want to communicate resonate with our membership. Do they feel that this is something that really does help them? Uh, does it help them provide uh, culturally sensitive care to their patients? Does it help them you know, um, interact with their colleagues in a more equitable way? And uh, those are kind of the short-term things we're looking at also. Uh, long term, I think the big, big goals would be to increase diversity of ophthalmologists in Canada, specifically from, from groups that we know are underrepresented, such as those of Indigenous or in Black backgrounds. And of course, really, really long term would be not just increasing the diversity, but really increasing inclusion because we could have them in ophthalmology, but how are they treated? How are they welcomed? How do they thrive? once they're ophthalmologists and really having equity of opportunity. You know, we really need to first find out what the exact scope of our current, um, you know, essentially our current ophthalmologists of the COS and outside of the COS, what are the demographics? And we don't even mm -hmm. have that data. No, okay, okay. No, you've defined some very good, clear uh, initial goals and then long-term ones as well. Thank you, Nupra. I think in the context of understanding that we would all agree probably that inclusion and equity is so important um, in general <laughs> in society, but 
How can you tell us a little bit of about how that helps not just ourselves and our communities, but our patients in our care for patients? Absolutely. So there are many studies looking at the fact that diversity of care providers results in better medicine. Diversity in medicine results in better medicine because we can understand our patients better. We can understand where they're coming from. We can understand the structural context in which they live, which has certainly health impact and, and affects their health outcomes. And um, it also improves our professional working environment because diversity of physicians means diversity of ideas, diversity of scientists means diversity of research. And these are all are known to improve outcomes ultimately. So in, in that journey, Nupra, to, um, to having a more diverse um, complemented, let's, let's focus, let's say on ophthalmologists. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I know this is something that you've been working on. Um, how do you, how do you, when you're selecting candidates for residency positions, then how how do you rank them? Do you rank them first on diversity, on merit? How do you distinguish? If you end up with one particular population, is that okay? Uh, as long as you follow proper guidelines in terms of EDI, um, how do you navigate that? This is not an easy problem. I mean, yes, we need to do, I think we need to really think outside the box to be able to solve this problem. But this is not an easy answer because you don't want to, it's not about penalizing people who have, you know, done the traditional route of doing research and electives and having a high MCAT score, all of those other things. Uh, But you really want to create equity of opportunity. You want people who perhaps are coming from backgrounds which are less advantaged to be able to have a fair shake at the chance to be able to become a resident or a medical student, whatever level that we're, we're looking at. And really, I think what we are talking about here is redefining merit. And what do we consider merit in medicine to be. And our traditional metrics have to do with their research, their electives, their letters of reference, and then uh, their opportunities for electives. And once they come in and have an interview, there's often a discussion about fit and, you know, quote unquote fit. And we know that this term fit is really so mired in unconscious bias and, you know, our current system is designed to obtain a certain kind of candidate. And as long as our, our, our rubric is designed that way, we will continue to obtain that kind of candidate. Mm-hmm. And um, we really have to look at this from the ground up. And there, there is research going on in this, and there are programs that are trying to address this. There, you know, cert- some programs go as far as to say, we have a separate stream. If you are underrepresented in medicine, there's a separate application stream altogether. Um, This is not yet in ophthalmology. This is outside of ophthalmology. Um, Other programs are looking at redefining the rubric to have the aspect of life experience and lived experience included, because the thought is that patients uh, may be able to better relate to physicians who have a diversity of lived experience. And there's certainly a a thought that that leads to structural competency in physicians, and that leads to better health care. And so perhaps 
we really need to redefine our rubric. I'm sitting this year on our admissions committee at the University of Toronto for ophthalmology residency. And that's something that we're certainly going to look at uh, because otherwise we really won't be able to improve our diversity. And you know, the way you present it is really interesting because you're really, I mean, we're kind of thinking at the front end, front end, but really if we keep the patient in mind, you're really making changes at the beginning that will impact down the line, how we treat, how we provide care, how we make our patients more comfortable. So that, that's very interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that way. So that's very good. And then, and then we, I think we also have to think a little bit even ahead of, of somebody getting to the point of applying for residency. Because mm-hmm. by that point, so many decisions have been made. Mm-hmm. Perhaps there are people who would be excellent ophthalmologists who do not think they would ever get into ophthalmology. So, mm-hmm. you know, we need to look at medical students in their first few years. Perhaps we need to look at undergrad students. Maybe we need to look at high school students. You know, mm-hmm. how far back do we really need to go? Because where are those decisions being made where maybe somebody thinks, you know what, I'll never get into ophthalmology because I don't have time to do these unpaid research jobs in the summer. I have to earn my tuition. Um, You know, where are those? Oh, I, you know, I don't have a family member who's a well-known doctor who can help support me, uh, you know, or get me um, an elective with Dr. So-and-so. Where, you know, perhaps we are losing amazing doctors along the way or amazing ophthalmologists along the way because they think that that they're not going to be able to get in or that their uh, life does not permit them to get in. Yeah, good point. wants to know what you think. Please send your comments on today's episode or any suggestions you may have for topics or features to communications at cos-sco.ca and we'll try to incorporate them into future episodes. Hi, my name is Dr. Nina Ahuja. I'm an ophthalmologist and author of Stress in Medicine, Lessons Learned Through My Years as a Surgeon from Med School to Residency and Beyond. I listen to the I Can podcast and think it is a wonderful resource. Uh, I'm so happy that this is available to us and I hope you enjoy listening as well. Nupra, listen, this is such an important topic and speaking to you for the past 20 minutes makes me really happy that you're here. And I'm, I'm really proud to have you um, run this working group. And um, I, I, I really wish you so much. And if you need support and who else is on the working group? Like my question actually was, do you have resident representatives? Do you have people helping you? What, what does your committee look like? What are you, what are you guys planning? I have an amazing committee and I'm really fortunate. I get to be here as the voice of the committee, but you know, the work is, is it really is a working group and, and a meeting of minds. We really try to have a diversity on our working group. It'd be kind of sad if our EDI working group was the one that lacked diversity. So, so we really have representation from across the country. We have uh, gender balance. We have we're, we've tried to have balance in terms of, you know, racial and cultural origin, um, and we tried to have someone who's a representative from the Black community as well as from the Indigenous community. 
And uh, we do have a trainee representative also. So we really tried to cover uh, all the grounds possible with the diversity of our community. And, uh, you know, everyone really brings great ideas and great perspectives. So, you know, I'm really lucky to have all of them to work with. One, one other question as well for you, Nupra, is beyond the, the doctors themselves, ourselves, um, how does the translate or, or does it have any impact in the staffing of our offices, our hospitals? Are you looking at that too? Um, or, or how do you think this will impact our selection of people that work at our offices as well? Do you mean in terms of... Uh, the like staff, example, our staff, our employees, our technicians, um, that type of thing. That isn't something that we've specifically looked at. We primarily are focusing on the ophthalmologists themselves and the professional working environment of ophthalmologists. But you know, certainly that is an important area you know, to look at. I think we should add that as one of our future goals to, to explore as well. <laughs> Nupra, what other new projects is the EDI committee looking at implementing in the near future just to get the ball rolling with regards to some of the changes we're hoping to make? Well, one of the things that I'm really excited about is that we are planning to have a mentorship program for students from backgrounds that are underrepresented in medicine. So we hope to do this in conjunction with another ophthalmology student interest group that is already established, but really also uh, hopefully reach the students that don't know yet that they are interested in medicine. And so hopefully this will allow these students to see ophthalmology as a potential career pathway for them. Of course, I will only know if it's successful in a few years when we actually see diversity in ophthalmology, but I, I think it's an important first step. So do you have a message for our listeners uh, with respect to EDI and our annual meeting coming up? Yes, absolutely. The COS is so invested in really moving EDI forward and really moving the dial forward. And so we are having an EDI symposium at the next annual meeting. It, we are going to have a keynote, Dr. Marsha Anderson, who is a visionary leader in Indigenous health. We even have an EDI abstract stream this year, and we've had several submissions. So it's going to be a really exciting session, and I hope to see all of the CUS members there. Nupra, before we let you go, tell us a little bit about what you do outside of all these other things that you do. <laughs> what, are, what are some of your hobbies and what have, you, what have you learned in the past two years during the pandemic that you may not have learned had we just kept running on our hamster wheels? Well, I think it has given us all a time to, for pause. And really the silver linings, I think, of the pandemic have been realizing more the importance of slowing down, the importance of spending time with family. And for me personally, I think I rediscovered a few hobbies that I had let go during my, you know, track towards ophthalmology in a career in medicine. And uh, I, I began to paint again and, and draw again. And I hadn't done that since I was in high school, really. And so that's been really lovely. I took up watercolor painting and I've done several classes and I try to keep doing it regularly, even though things have picked up a little bit. Like many people across the world, I, I took up sourdough bread baking. Uh, I have always been an avid baker, but I, I did the sourdough thing, although I have to say my starter is it hasn't been fed in a while and is sitting in the corner of the fridge somewhere um, at present. And uh, aside from that, 
you know, really, I love to spend time with my, my, I have a six-year-old daughter, I spend time with my family. We, you know, take, try to take a lot of walks, enjoy weather outside. Um, you know, I think also because so many of us are not traveling right now, we have rediscovered the area in which we live again, and really the beauty of Canada and the beauty of Ontario and the areas around Toronto. So that's been really lovely as well. And I also love to read. So I have that I've been able to do um, ongoing through the pandemic as well. Those are those are the majority of my hobbies. That's a that's a great a great message to wrap it up, uh, Nupra. And and with that, and on behalf of the ICANN podcast, we would like to thank you and thank Dr. Nupra Bakshi for joining us tonight. As we look forward to bringing you more episodes on very interesting and diverse topics. Thank you so much, Nupra. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was a pleasure to speak with the both of you. Thank you to our guest, Dr. Nupra Bakshi, for joining us. Here's what's coming up on our next episode. We'll be speaking with Canadian Ophthalmological Society President, Dr. Colin Mann, about what's in store for the organization in 2022. The obvious elephant in the room is... Uh, you know, the trajectory of the last 18 months, uh, I think probably just expecting the unexpected. Uh, maybe, in fact, the greatest challenges are still to come in the next six months. Who knows? I can wants to know what you think. Please send your comments on today's episode or any suggestions you may have for topics or features to communications at cos-sco.ca and we'll try to incorporate them into future episodes. The ICANN podcast has been made possible by support from MD Financial Management and Scotiabank, proud financial partners of the Canadian Ophthalmological Society and Canada's ophthalmologists. Thank you to the Canadian Ophthalmological Society. The ICANN podcast is written and directed by Eric Johnson and produced by John Allaire from Allaire Strategic Works. 